Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey, well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. My name is Dwayne Osterland. I'm your host, our guest today is Chandler Rogers. Chandler Rogers is the CEO and co-founder of Relay, a digital group-based program for finding healing from addiction. And I am excited to say also a sponsor of the Addicted Mind podcast. So after years of feeling stuck in isolation, Chandler discovered firsthand the power of connection and creating a strong support system. He graduated from Brigham Young University with a degree in business and computer science and is currently living in New York City with his wife, Jade. So today, Chandler is going to talk about his project, Relay, and using the digital realm to help people who are struggling with addiction find connection. So Chandler is going to share his own personal story of overcoming behavioral addiction and how he realized he could take his work and his talents to create something really meaningful to be able to really help others. And you can just hear that passion in his work. And I'm super excited to share Chandler's story and what he is trying to do to make Relay into something pretty amazing. It's just inspiring to listen to him pour in his heart into this project to really help others and put something really meaningful into the world. So it was really fun to interview him and very inspiring. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. And if you're getting a lot out of the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help support the podcast. I really appreciate it. I do read them. They mean a lot to me. So thank you everyone who's taken the time to do that. And follow us on Instagram at Addicted Mind Podcast. So check that out as well. And let's go ahead and start this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to The Addicted Mind. My guest today is Chandler Roger, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Relay, 
which is an app for recovery. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk all about that. But before we get into that, using technology for recovery and how it can enhance recovery, Chandler, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, maybe some of the reasons you wanted to create this app, and let's just jump in. Yeah, no, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Excited to be here. Awesome. So, so yeah, I guess to introduce myself, Chandler Rogers, my background professionally from a young age, I was always interested in technology. And so people who know me well aren't super surprised that I'm working on an app, but most people don't know about my background and how it pertains to addiction and the personal connection and experiences that I had that ultimately led me to go work on something like Relay instead of going to like Google or Microsoft and working on some other piece of technology that maybe doesn't help the world as much, but that's a conversation right, yeah. for another day. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I grew up moving around a lot in a lot of different places. I was the oldest of five kids with parents who were very religious and from a young age had, I think, a strong sense of wanting to instill values in us to be good people. And I think as the oldest, I felt this sense of responsibility pretty heavily. Like I, I wanted to be good and I could tell they had a lot of expectations and, you know, I think they did a great job at, you know, showing us love and, and parenting us in a lot of the best ways that they could. But I, I remember growing up, like having emotionally intimate conversations were a little more rare, right. I think potentially like in their families, my mom's parents were divorced. My dad's dad didn't have a really good relationship with him, but, you know, I think that they were trying to make the best of trying to figure out how do we raise kids in a world where there's a lot of conflicting values and no family is perfect. But I remember like, as I got in my teenage years, it, it was interesting because on the one hand, I felt like my parents tried to do a good job at creating an open space for conversations around sensitive things. And right. one of those things was around pornography. And they had kind of talked to us about you know, hey, this is something you might run into. It's something we've seen, you know, cause a lot of harm in, in people's relationships. We hope you can feel, you know, open talking to us if it's something you happen to stumble across. But, you know, just a heads up. And that was a conversation we had had. You know, as I get into high school years, I, I do remember eventually stumbling upon pornography and masturbation as I was kind of growing up and getting older. Right. And yeah. I think it wasn't until really a, a couple months after that first exposure that I, I realized that I had started to engage a little habitually in what I guess what, you know, I wasn't even connecting the dots like, oh, I guess this is actually that thing that we had talked about. Like, I, I think this is pornography right. and I, I'm finding myself feeling, you know, the dopamine hits or feeling like it was something I needed to have. Not trying to say that I was addicted, you know, or anything that fast, but I remember just feeling like I don't, want to be doing this anymore. But after that, I just remember feeling like I couldn't really control it. Like it, the willpower wasn't enough. I started feeling a lot of shame thinking about, you know, if my parents knew or other people knew, you know, maybe I'm not so good of a person after all. And I think that really, right. And then the shame kind of kicks in oh, yeah, all of that kind of stuff, which is just like a feedback loop of shame, escape, shame, escape, shame, escape. Totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. And I think I really let it define everything about my self-worth, I think, for those few years. And to give a little bit more perspective, I was a fairly confident kid, I would say. And yeah. I 
achieved pretty well in school or sports and, you know, was someone that most people wouldn't probably guess was dealing with something that was impacting my view of self, self so heavily. Totally. But for me, it felt, you know, very self-defining. Like, well, if I can't get over this, like I said, I would the last, you know, dozen, hundred times, you know, I'm kind of fast forwarding in years a little bit, but you know, if I can't get over it, then I'm not successful as a person. It doesn't matter how these other areas of my life are going. Yeah, it's all consuming. And, and I, I'm glad you're sharing your story. And you're a bit younger than me. And, you know, I remember growing up where, you know, the internet wasn't around in the way it is yeah. today. And mm -hmm. so I think your story resonates with a, a lot of younger people who have grown up in the age of internet pornography, where right. it's different than pornography in... In the old days, I guess. Oh, God, I'm dating myself here. But, you know, it's like it's it, it is. And I think for a lot hey, of people, like you said, for it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go looking for it. And it's infinite and it's highly engaging. And so I, I think, you know, for a lot of young people, even like you said, you came from a, a, a family that was trying to be supportive, that this kind of pornography can still kind of get you in and, and kind of suck you in. And if you're susceptible to that, yeah, your life becomes all around it. And yeah. yeah, all that shame starts to set in. And then it's just like a feedback loop. Yeah, totally. And, and the thought constantly ran through my head, like, you know, maybe I can do this on my own. But the more and more times that that cycle kept happening, the more I think I was starting to be honest and realizing, like, maybe I can't. And maybe I should think about, you know, is there anyone I can talk to or, get support from because this clearly isn't working, right? This has now been a few years since I first recognized that, you know, there was an issue and I didn't want to be engaging in these behaviors to now like, okay, it's been a couple years of futile, you know, white knuckling and no, no skills, no education, no knowledge around, you know, maybe there was a reason I was seeking out pornography and other things in my life that were creating stressors yeah. and, and had yeah. didn't have those skills to, to recognize or regulate those things in a healthy way and realizing you can't do that alone right and oh, especially yeah. shame shame doesn't heal in isolation i mean we know that right totally. so yeah well, you need more support and this is where this is really where I, I think i started learning that lesson was i eventually uh, stumbled upon like a somewhat of a local group that was advertised as like for young men kind of like 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 or something who are trying to break free from and heal from unwanted compulsive sexual behavior. And it was over Zoom once a week for an hour led by a therapist, I think like a licensed marriage and family therapist. And it was interesting because I, I think, A, I was even open to that because I had started being honest and seeing like, you know, this pattern is not working of me trying to do this alone. So happy to go more into that. But I think I'd been sufficiently humbled and beat down into this state of, you know, the status quo is not going to work. I need to do something different. And I was determined enough that I, I really wanted to see change. And so that even led me to be open in the first place. But once I did get to this group, I was still, you know, nervous like anyone else, probably the first time you go to right, group, yeah. whether it's for this or any other issue, right? It's like, who else is going to be there? Are they creepy, you know, pedophile dudes or, you know, wanted criminals? Like who's going to be at these meetings? And surely it's going to be terrifying and, you know, it's going to be a rough experience, but it was Only wasn't. to find out something different. 
Right. You know, my initial impression was like, oh, these dudes look pretty normal, actually. And we start talking that first meeting, can't even remember what the discussion was really about. But as they were sharing some of their stories, and maybe we were discussing some particular principle, I remembered as I listened to them and starting to see like, you know, they don't seem messed up to me. I wouldn't label them failures, you know, even if they're still working at this and they're not any more, you know, far into sobriety than I am. You know, so it started to get me thinking about that own my own shame cycle. I think that narrative I told myself and recognizing, well, you know, I can hear them vocalizing maybe the same lies that I would tell myself. And it sure seems like a lie and not true when they say it about themselves. And I certainly wouldn't agree with that statement about themselves. So, you know, it helped me start to recognize all of those cognitive distortions that I think I had started to believe and accepting. Yeah, all that, the, the, that's just amplified by that shame feeling of feeling so horrible and then all of that stuff. And, and yeah, you're starting to like, see like, wait, maybe, maybe I'm not as horrible as I think I am. Yeah. And that there's other parts of me, not just this, but you need that support too. Well, totally. Yeah. And I think, I think that was where it started to get a lot different for me was not only those first realizations, but figuring out how to stop struggling in isolation and start working together with these other peers that had the same goal. We're learning the same things and we were all there to support each other. And I think that that's really where, you know, how in the world I'm working on an app like Relay now, it started with this first group experience and realizing, wow, it's so much better to work at this with a team of other peers. People, yeah. And a robust support system than to do it alone. It got so much easier. Not that it got easy in general. It certainly wasn't just easy from there, but it was easier. It was great to feel like there was this environment where I could practice these skills together. We could kind of help call each other out if, you know, there was things that just weren't making sense as we were stuck in some of these shame cycles still that we were working through and even just having healthy accountability where it didn't feel like to my my mom or somebody like, I don't want to let her down. You know, I, I want to make her proud. There's all this kind of weird, maybe baggage isn't the right word, but there's an existing relationship that's kind of making it tricky to have healthy accountability. But with these guys, you know, I felt like healthy accountability was a lot easier. It wasn't only focused on sobriety. It was focused on what, you know, what's our plan and what were the skills that we were working and helping each other, you know, focus on those inputs, those things that we could control. I think that was really cool. Yeah. And I would, I would say too, that like compassionate accountability too, because Mm -hmm. when you just do it in isolation, most of the time, I think for many of us, we try and use shame as the motivator to like get us to change our behavior, which actually just ends up feeding our pain, which then feeds our escape and avoidance behaviors and having like accountability from people that can be supportive and encouraging is so different than, you know, when we're by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It helped me recognize, yeah, I I do have all these fear-based motivators that probably aren't the right reasons for me to be focused on on this. Like, you know, if I'm just doing this because I I want to feel like I'm not a failure by the time I leave the house or go to college or, you know, start my career or whatever, you know, it's not that that's inherently super wrong, but it was coming from this place of fear rather than this place of healthy compassion and curiosity. Just learning to be, yeah. I think, less harsh and more, I think, discovery-oriented and figuring out why, why this is really important to me and and even learning in the process. Like, it's a lot more than just getting over pornography. It was a lot about discovering some really important life skills, like, like we kind of mentioned, you know, identifying 
stressors and triggers that will, you know, happen for all of us as we go through the hard aspects of life and learning how to cope with those in a healthy way. And, you know, how, how to be open and not beat ourselves down just because there's an area of our life that we're not proud of. Like, that's okay. Like, we've all got things that we aren't proud of. And this is just one of those things. It's not like it's the holy grail of things that I should, you know, hate myself for. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, definitely. And and I guess, you know, you have to do that with other people around you. I mean, that's the start of this process, right? Because yeah. we get stuck in our own head and we don't know our own thinking that gets us stuck in this spiral of, of just self-loathing. But so as you started to do this, you started to, you know, discover like this was helping you and, and you're finding your way through it. How did this start to come to the idea of like, I could make something here. I could mm -hmm. take what's happening to me and do something with it to, to be able to give back or to be able to help others. How did yeah. that start to pop into your head? Yeah. Well, so the story fast forwards to being in college and I was taking a couple computer science classes at the time and I had this friend and essentially the class, we were able to pick any idea that we wanted to build an app for and basically get credit for building that app. And I pitched him on, on this idea because I think over the years I started to notice more and more that a lot of groups will meet weekly. And there's not a lot of good tools in place to make that type of accountability and connection easy between meetings the other six days of the week. And so right. I, I then, you know, kind of ruminating on these thoughts for a little while, like, you know, with my groups, it felt like someone would always come back to group the next time and be like, you know, Tuesday, I was really struggling. And, uh, you know, I ended up slipping up and we were like, well, why didn't you reach out? You know, we got this group chat thing that we put together and and the answer was always like, well, I don't know, like, it's hard yeah. to reach out, I guess, you know, when we're yeah. not together. And, and that, that was kind of the trend it was just like, well, it's hard to reach out. And, and that makes sense. Like it is, it is hard. Even when you have a group already, it's still easy to revert back to patterns of isolation. And I'm doing this kind of solo single player, you know, the other six days of the week. And, and it, repeatedly we would try different systems. And I was, I think, always the one that was kind of fascinated with like, how could we adapt our approach between meetings to better serve each other so that we don't come back and find out that no one's been doing the goals that we had committed to, or people didn't reach out when they were having a rough day, whether they relapsed or not, but realize that like group me and WhatsApp just weren't kind of like getting the job done. It would kind of fizzle out. It was a little hard to make up our own structure with this. And so when I get to this computer science class with my buddy, I said, hey, what if there were an app that helped people who were struggling to overcome addiction? What if it made it easier to stay accountable and connected seven days a week with, with their group? And the focus would be on people who already had a group. This would kind of be a complementary tool for people to use outside of group meetings. So we weren't trying to develop, you know, our own program or curriculum or anything. Right, right. Just creating a little bit more accessible interactions that makes the accountability barrier even even lower and that connection barrier lower. And so that's kind of where it started. And it was a school project at the time. But then as we start working on it over the next you know, year, and we piloted this out with some of the therapists I had worked with and their groups that they were running, we were kind of surprised when a lot of people were like, holy cow, I wish I had this like three years ago when I was first starting out. Like this, this is an awesome you know, thing to add to my toolkit. And we started hearing a lot of feedback around, you know, well, what if it did this? Or, you know, if it did this maybe slightly differently, I think it could be even better. 
And eventually, as we were all graduating college, at this point, we added a few other friends to our team, and we were all kind of working on this full time through college. It evolved out of this one class to like, you know, this is the biggest thing that we were all focused on in terms of, you know, we we were kind of getting some credit for it. So we didn't have that many classes, which made it work out well. But, you know, we were coming to to graduation and we had over a thousand people now using the product regularly with a lot of them saying like, this has been game changer and still a lot of things that we had gotten feedback on of how it could be better. And we just decided like, we want to really go for this and take a big swing at making a, a technology tool that helps people do recovery 10 times smarter than ever possible before and not trying to be the only silver bullet in their toolkit but trying to be something that just greatly enhances their efforts and and so that was kind of the decision we made this was a couple years ago now that we decided to go full time on it and we're now serving you know a lot of different addiction type use cases and and the vision is still you know let's try to work very closely with the people on our platform to see how we can build a tool that's in your pocket that helps you do things smarter so that you don't have to be like me and make the same dumb mistakes for years on end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think what you said earlier, you know, using the app and, and kind of getting into it, what I noticed is that it really, I would kind of just say, you know, the, the term that came up to me is it kind of greased the wheels hmm. of connection. It made it easy to find that support and easy to get onboarded onto it. It didn't feel overwhelming. And it felt like, oh, I'm in this small community. If you don't have a group that's already established, it'll right. it'll 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 suggest a, a small group for you where you can <laughs> begin to, you know, open yourself up and start to make those connections that are gonna gonna heal. Yeah. So I was like, the way you did that, I think really works really, really well. And I can see you have like a lot of passion here taking this energy. This is beyond just a a project, but something that I think is really needed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think we realize, you know, this, this is more than just for people who already have a group. Like you mentioned, it, it's a great starting place for people that, you know, maybe joining a Zoom type environment or in person is a little bit big of a step. I think it does grease the wheels is the goal to make it less awkward and scary. You can stay as anonymous as you want and put, you know, whatever name you want to go by. A lot of people do end up putting their real first name uh, and go by that in their group and getting a a feel in a chat-based environment first for like, what is it like to work with seven, eight other people? And then, you know, if you want to layer in, you know, like a live type program on top of that, you can continue to use Relay to help you, you know, integrate those goals that you're probably working on with your therapist or or whatever program you're in. So we've kind of designed it to be, you know, something you can flex and adapt, whether you're just starting out on your journey or whether you've been at it a long time and you want just a better way to up your connection and help you continue to practice some of those basic skills. Yeah. What were some of the, like the biggest hurdles in like starting to put this together that you had to overcome to, to, you know, say, okay, we're, we're going to really 
put this out there? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, one was like funding, right? So we we knew how to code and so we didn't need to outsource this and pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to have it made. But as we started thinking about how do we grow it faster? How do we develop it faster? It meant, you know, we'd love to be able to hire a few people. And at this point, we were, you know, structured as a company. We're really trying to figure out how do we get the most talented people to help us work on this? So we think this is a special a special vision that that could help a lot of people, hopefully. Yeah. And so we had to figure out, like, how do we tell the story in a way that resonates with people even outside of the recovery community? And, you know, it was interesting as I started to go about that process and, and talk to investors, I was actually you know, a little surprised at how many of them actually immediately were like, this makes sense. Like I could totally see why there'd be a need and why approaching it in this type of way would be really powerful. And so I think it was still a learning process and figuring out how to tell that story. But we eventually were able to take on some funding so that we could. And a lot of people will ask, you know, what, what are we using that funding for? We've used it purely to be able to hire people and pay them a livable wage um, in today's inflated economy. We're still paying ourselves basically, you know, nothing as the founders, but we've been able to get some really talented people to help us just make faster progress because there's just so many things right. that we want to improve and add to the product that it just takes time to build a really good technology tool. And so we're trying to make that faster. And to make it really flow. And, and I would imagine, I mean, if, you know, if you're alive and you know people, you're going to know people that have struggled with mental health issues, with yeah. addiction, with other unwanted behaviors and, and all of those issues. And it seems like I would imagine that that's part of it too. Like this is, this is a, this is like a connecting platform for people who are struggling with Anything. hurt and pain and suffering, you know, to find connection, to break that loneliness and that isolation because I, I believe that's where we heal, right? We heal sure. through the eyes of other people. And when we can get other people to kind of help us along and then we help them, it just creates a positive feedback loop. And it seems like Relay is really trying to do that, to make that happen, to make it easy for that process to take place. Yeah, no, you exactly that. I think you nailed it, especially that last piece. I'm glad you brought up about even having more opportunities to turn outwards and help others in that process, not just get help from, you know, others yeah. to help you. I, I found that to be so huge in my own journey was the more I felt like I could help other people practice these things and be there for them, the better I did in my own healing process. And so that that is a core pillar of how we see relays group strategy is not just not just putting you in a in a group a little easier so that you can feel less alone but making it easier to actually move in a direction together that involves them helping you but also you helping them and and not in a way that expects you to be you know their therapist or anything but just you know makes it easier to actually support each other in an active way not just a passive yeah way. An another human being that understands the struggle yeah yeah totally yeah. What is it like for you in doing this work and seeing people get the support from the app and, you know, this, the success stories of it? What's that like for you to 
to yeah. hear that or to see that start to manifest. Because to me, it's, I feel your excitement. It makes me excited. You know, it's like, oh, this is such a cool yeah. project and yeah. such a cool endeavor. And so I'm just wondering how, how that fits for you and feels for you. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, I feel like just because recovery has been such a you know big percentage of my life now, I'm only 26. So, you know, if you do the math, uh, not quite half my life has been, I guess, you know, in the struggle yeah. has been a big part of it. And, and so I think sometimes I'm a little desensitized to like, you know, yeah, it's just the same process we all learn. It, it isn't almost as magical or cool for me sometimes. But what I'm always reminded by is my my two co-founders actually have not personally struggled with unwanted addiction or behavior that was tough for them to break, which was interesting, actually, when I first was bringing them on, you know, I wanted to find people who this was very personal to. They had friends and family members who they had supported. And so in some senses, it was still personal. Yeah. But for them, having it, having not gone through it themselves personally, they will react when they see someone, you know, reach out to us and say, hey, like, Relay was actually the first thing I ever found. It's the first time I've talked to other people about this. Here's how it's been in the last, you know, four weeks since I joined and all of the ways that it's been so helpful. They get so excited because they're just like, wait, this is actually <laughs> awesome. so cool. And then I'm reminded when I see, you know, their reaction, like, oh, you're right. Like this, this is cool. Even though, you know, I've been exposed to this a little bit longer and I've seen a lot right, of people right. work this process. Yeah. It's like, it is really cool to see people who actually like haven't gone through this personally feel so passionate about this and be like you know this is the coolest thing and they they gave up a lot of good job offers one was going to go to apple uh and be a developer at apple and the other one was going to go do consulting somewhere and they both quit their other jobs to come work on relay just because they felt like it was so so meaningful so, it, so yeah it's, it's like, such we an hear important these stories and it's so cool project. because yeah it, it is it's important and like i said like we we see it as like a Ten-year vision, not a you know. We built the app and we're done with this. Like, there's so much more that we're excited about to continue to progress the tool and make it even better and powerful for people. Yeah, yeah. I liked how it also kind of walks you through it, walks you through doing some of your work. You know, doing some of like setting up your recovery zone and yeah. and getting yeah. your, your that set up and started. It's just kind of like invites you to do it and walks you through it in a very easy, unoverwhelming way. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like, it doesn't feel overwhelming. It felt very easy to do. And I wasn't, yeah, it, it didn't put me off. In fact, it was just like, yeah, I can do that right now. Let me just do that. And, I'm glad and, it felt that way. That's, that's definitely the goal. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I, you know, as a mental health professional working with clients, when they come in and, and try and do this work, it can feel really overwhelming. It can feel yeah. so It is big. complex. Yeah. Yeah. And so having something to just kind of walk them a little step at a time, creating their recovery plan or creating their, their circle plan, you know, being able mm -hmm. to like see that and just kind of walk through a little step at a time is... Right is so it just it makes it easy so i i really enjoyed that process of it and oh, cool. i thought i thought that was incredibly helpful and i can see how that would be incredibly helpful for clients yeah yeah and i think you know one other piece that people always tell me that they find helpful that i think i often forget about because you know we maybe don't think about this when we think about recovery is just these simple check-ins that help you identify how you're feeling. And it's meant to help you start to yeah. recognize patterns around 
um, stressors and triggers and to develop a plan to regulate them. And a lot of people will comment like, you know, I didn't realize that feeling lonely and bored are two of the biggest things that I'm feeling on a daily basis. And they're able to chat with their group about it or start forming ideas about how they can better manage those things that end up helping prevent compulsive behavior and, and ultimately just help them be a healthier person. So I think even, you know, allowing them to tailor that part of recovery to them as well and making that, you know, a gentle, easy, you know, it takes two minutes to do mm -hmm. and you can set a reminder when I get home from work, you know, I'm going to check in, gives me a chance to reflect on how I'm feeling and preempt any potential issues that without a tool like this, it might be a little hard to manage those pieces without getting a little overwhelmed, like you're saying. Yeah, it can just it can just feel so big. And then, you know, if you're tracking that, if you're writing that in a journal, it can feel overwhelming. This is something that you have with you. It cues you to do it. So I think it's great. So I'm excited for your I'm excited for Relay to, to see it keep growing and to offer support to a community that really needs it and and, and wants it. Yeah, no, thank you so much. We're we're really excited about it. And it's been awesome. I think I've learned a lot about myself in the process. I feel like my recovery journey is never over. I'm continuing to learn and grow in different ways. Definitely. So we're kind of up on our time here, but I love to ask one question at the end of, of the episode. If maybe someone is out there struggling, right? They're having a hard time or they're feeling alone or isolated or whatever, and you could tell them one thing, what would be the one thing you'd want them to know? Yeah. I think it goes back to one of those things I was saying about my early story about this struggle does not define you. It does not define how successful of a person you are right now. It shouldn't define your happiness on a day-to-day -day basis. And I know that that's harder, you know, to implement that brain switch than, than maybe it sounds, but I would want, you know, each of you to know that I think this opportunity to learn how to heal, to learn how to grow in this way, I think is something that is actually extremely precious and I think can help us grow into much more capable, healthy human beings than if we hadn't had these type of challenges in the first place. My wife actually, you know, like any normal human being, this has hurt her in, in her own way. Yeah. But there's times that she'll, she'll often tell me, you know, I feel like this has been a big investment in you and everything I love about you is because you've chosen to work through this process and develop from it. And that's given me a lot of, I think, reassurance. And I would hope, you know, to pass on that message to others that it's hard to notice the growth that you're undergoing when you're, you know, feeling crushed by it on a day-to-day -day basis. But you will, I promise you will be able to recognize one day if you stick with it, that this was a key part of how you progressed and how you grew to become a way better person than you could have otherwise been. And so definitely just continue forward, know that you're not alone, get a good support system, whether that's through Relay or somewhere else. And the journey gets a lot less sucky from there. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, Chandler, thank you so much. I, I just really connect to your passion and your excitement about this. And uh, it's very contagious. So awesome. I want to thank you for also supporting the addicted mind podcast because in a way yeah, for sure you know this is about connection too it's other people can hear stories like yours to be able to feel not so alone so just thank thank you for coming on before you go where, where can they go to find more information to find the app where do they go 
Yeah. Yeah. So you can just go to the website, uh, www.joinrelay.app, or it's on iPhone or Android. You can just search Relay. Probably just search like Relay Recovery uh, in the App Store so that it's the first Relay that shows up in your list. You know, there's yeah. everyone has stolen all, you know, common names these days. So if you search Relay Recovery, you'll see it in the App Store and can give it a try. So awesome. Thank you, Chandler, so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind and sponsoring the Addicted Mind. I, I really appreciate it. Wow. And thank you for it's all awesome the that you're in. here. Thank you. No, this is great. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. As usual, all the links will be in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. So check it out and check out the Relay app. I definitely highly encourage you if you're struggling with addiction and want more support, Relay is a good place to start. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.